The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, March 7th, 2023. It is indeed a heck of a morning. We are live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces. You can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone had a great weekend, having a great start to this week. I don't know if I'm fully caught up on sleep and rest from this past weekend, but we're getting closer and that's good. Yesterday, I was an absolute zombie. Uh, today, feeling a little bit better and ready to do this show with all of you. Obviously, we we're coming off of UFC 285, which went down this past Saturday. And what an event it was. It lived up to the hype and then some in a lot of ways. We have two brand new champions. Of course, the big one, John Jones, the new heavyweight champion of the world. Submit Cyril gone in just over two minutes. Made it look easy. John Jones is back, ladies and gentlemen. And we got all the John Jones stuff, the ways he speaks, the way he conducts himself. We got all of it. We got old John. We got newish John. He reverted back to old John in some respects where he's humbled and he's grateful and all of that stuff. And then... When he was asked about Francis Ngannou after the fight, called him big fat P word. And I was like, there he is. There's the John Jones we all know and love. So John gets it done. Massive moment. He just trucks Cyril gone. This fight was not competitive for a single solitary second. And John Jones is the champion. On top of that, Alexa Grasso shut me up and a lot of other people up 
goes out and submits Valentina Shevchenko in the fourth round. She is the brand new flyweight champion. So now both flyweight champions in the UFC, the undisputed flyweight champions, are Mexican-born. Just a cool moment for the sport. And I didn't think there was any chance in hell we were going to see that happen. But this is why we have the fights. This is why the competitors get in there and do the damn thing. And it doesn't matter what me or anybody else has to say about it as far as the breakdown goes. That's why you have the fights. Alexa Grasso was ready. She fought really well. I thought I agreed with the judges' scorecards heading into the fourth round. I thought Shevchenko was winning the fourth round, although it was very, very close until the spin kick happened. Grasso was ready for it. You saw a bunch of videos. She's been preparing for that spin kick to the body, and Alexa Grasso just pounced on it, took the back, and just crushed Valentina Shevchenko's face to the point of Shevchenko just being like, ah, damn it. (laughs) Got to tap. I got no choice. Well done, Alexa. And she is the flyweight champion of the world. Incredible stuff. Just incredible stuff. And, I mean, how can you not be happy for her? I'm happy to eat crow to watch a moment like that. And I'm sure I'm going to eat some crow in this program. And that's okay. That's all right. Nice performance for Shafkat Rachmanov. That fight with Jeff. I told you that fight was going to be a little more competitive than a lot of you thought it was. And Jeff Neal came to fight. They beat the hell out of each other. Shafkar Rachmanov started to cook, got going. And then a rear naked choke, bulldog choke hybrid, whatever you want to call it. I'm going to call it the Shafkat choke. Standing, just, it was just crazy to watch. It was just out of nowhere. He's like, all right, I'm done with this. Boom. And it was all over. What a, what a performance for Shafkat. Batush Gamrot. Fun fight with Jalen Turner. It's the it's heading in. We thought we we're gonna be talking more about that fight heading out, but that was probably like the eighth most interesting thing that happened on the card. And that just shows you the strength and quality of the card. But Gamrock gets it done. Jalen Turner, I don't think, lost a lot of buzz from that because he fought really well and just came up a little bit short. Gamrock gets it done. He's back on track. Be interesting to see where he goes from here at 155. Bo Nickel. Submits Jamie Pickett in just under three minutes. A little bit of controversy there with the possible knee to the nether regions. And I noticed it on the watch party that something weird kind of happened because you saw the grimace on Jamie Pickett's face before he got taken down. And Bo gets it done. Obviously, he's got some work to do, but the foundation is there for, for something really special. And as far as the prelims go... Cody Garbrandt gets a win over Trevin Jones. Not a fight anybody's going to go back and watch again, except for maybe Garbrandt and his team. Uh, Drickus Duplessis finishes Derek Brunson. Uh, corner stoppage. Loved that stoppage from Brunson's corner. He was teasing retirement on social media. I don't know if it's official just yet, um, but we know how this goes in MMA, so we're going to wait till we get word and he's out of the pool and all that stuff before we start talking about Derek Brunson, the former UFC fighter. Uh, Amanda Hebas, I mean, like I like I said through most of the build, if, I don't bet on MMA, but if there's one bet I would have made on this entire card, it would have been Amanda Hebas by decision, and that's exactly what happened. She gets it done. Marc-Andre Barrio uh, finishes Julian Marquez in round two. Ian Machado-Gary gets a finish in round three. Scary moment early on for Ian Machado-Gary gets dropped by Kanan Song. 
But other than that, it was all Ian Gary. This fight was outside of the, the first round where, where Song dropped him. That fight was not really competitive at all. Cameron Simon, man's got to figure out if he's going to cheat, make it less obvious. He gets points taken again, but still gets the majority decision over Mata Martinez. Tabitha Ricci, nice armbar submission, finishes Jessica Pede. Fareed Basharat had to work for it, but gets his first UFC win against Damon Blackshear. And Loik Radzaboff wins his octagon debut on short notice against Esteban Rivovich. But a lot to talk about. Real quick before I go to the calls, a lot of talks about rankings and where people should go after UFC 285. I'll pe. I'll uh, I'll open the curtain a little bit and tell you what I did. Uh, I have John Jones, who was not ranked, obviously, in our heavyweight rankings or pound-for-pound rankings because he hadn't fought in over three years. Uh, John Jones has entered my rankings at number two. Number two at heavyweight, behind Francis Ngannou. Because as impressive as John was, he went in there, just melted Cyril Gunn. This was not a close fight. I still... As impressed as I was, I still have questions. I still have questions because John went in there and did what he had to do, and it was incredibly impressive. But I, I don't know if it's more that John was just on one, and he probably was, or if Gon was just not ready for this moment because that dude looked like he was going to collapse from fear from the second he walked to the octagon. He looked petrified. And Jones took advantage of it. Took him down immediately. Gone had no answer for it. Tried to get up. Got ripped right back to the ground and got tapped immediately. And so I have Jones at number two. It just sucks, man. It sucks so bad that we're not going to get the Francis fight. I hope, I really hope that we do get it. I hope that if John Jones fights Stipe and I think he's going to do, I think he's going to, run through Stipe Miocic. I hope he gets on the mic and calls for Francis, and I really hope the UFC tries, even if they just can figure out a way to get him in for a one-off. I, I have to see that fight. I've, all, I've wanted to see it for the last couple of years since it became a thing, but after what I just saw this past Saturday, I have to see it. I have to see it. So I have John Jones at number two in my heavyweight rankings. As far as pound for pound goes, there are a few of us in the rankings panel who have John Jones at number one. I ain't going to argue with you on that. I am not going to argue with you on that. I do not have John as number one. I do not have John as number two. I do not even have John as number three. I have John Jones at number four. I have John Jones at number four. I have Islam Makachev still at number one. I have Volkanovski at number two. And I understand the argument. Like, New York Rick talked about this, I think, on the watch party at the end. Branson Gano is the best heavyweight, but John Jones is the best fighter. And I get that. Totally get it. I just couldn't put John above Francis in the, in, in the pound for pound discussion. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it based on that fight. And it was, I mean, he couldn't have done it better. But I will say this, and we can talk about this throughout if you want. If John fights Stipe in July and he just absolutely dump trucks Stipe and finishes him in the first couple of rounds, he will be my number one guy. He'll be number one. I'm satisfied 
it, it, as far as John goes, there are people who have John ranked lower than I have him. Uh, there's some people who have him at five. Uh, there's somebody who has him at seven. I think that's a little crazy. But John being in the top five or above makes sense. I just couldn't pull the trigger on putting him at number one, and I certainly couldn't put him over Francis. I need to see a little bit more before I do that. I need to see a little bit more. Throw him up against Stipe. See how that goes. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna run over Stipe, and I think Stipe is gonna be better prepared for the moment than Cyril Gon was. I think Stipe will be a little more competitive, but in the end, I think John wins. And if he does, that'll be enough for me to be like, all right, I've seen what I need to see. He's number one. I think if I had a little more time to think about it, I might have had John a little bit higher. I might have talked myself out of it, but the way we do these is. We needed to have the pound for pound rankings and our heavyweight rankings done like before we started the post fight show. So I literally had like 15 minutes to figure it out. And that's what I landed on. So I know he's number one in the UFC rankings. And again, if you have him above where I have him, or if you have him as number one pound for pound, I'm not going to debate you on it. I'm not going to say you're wrong. Pound for pounds, such a silly discussion anyways. But if you have John at one or you have him at five, I don't think there's a wrong answer here. So let's head into this. Let's hear from you. I'm sure you have a lot to say and discuss. Uh, Tristan was first, so we will start with him. Hey, Mike. Can you hear me? Yep. All right. Um, the card was great. It was amazing. UFC 285. I guess one of the best so far. Um, very surprised with John Jones how easily he was able to submit Gone. I was, I was shocked by that. As far as Grasso and um, Valentina, um, Valentina was winning. I felt she was winning the fight on points, but it looked like Grasso was getting to uh, Valentina with her striking, which was surprising, especially when you look at the replays. That's why I, I was surprised that Val- Valentina was like trying to was taking um, Grasso down so many times. So I wonder if she was having issues with Grasso's um, striking. And then obviously we saw what happened. She capitalized on that. As far as jo- uh, as far as Shavkat versus Jeff Neal, um, didn't love uh, the amount of hits that he was taking by Jeff Neal. But Jeff Neal is such a such a great boxer. It's really hard to avoid those shots. So I think um, Shavkat was like, "All right, I'm going to take the risk. I'm going to take some to uh, give back," and that's what he did. And he, the whole entire time, he kept pressuring Jeff. The whole entire time, those knees were huge. It was like jab, jab, one, two, knee, and he kept doing that consistently, which got Jeff Neal so tired. And then that that choke was just just brutal right there. And I was just like, this guy is unbelievable. The thing I was thinking about this too. I don't know if you would agree with this. For me, I think Shafkat Rachmanov reminds me of prime Korean Zombie. That is my thought process. Um, this is what he embodies the Korean zombie. This is what the Korean zombie was supposed to be. But due to his military obligations and the injuries, we didn't really get to see that. But this is this is Pakistan's Korean zombie. Um, this guy, he has nothing, just like Ken Flo said on the broadcast when he um, broadcast uh, when uh, Korean zombie fought Dustin Poirier at Featherweight. All this guy has is just finishing moves. This guy could finish you standing up. This guy could finish you on the ground. 
I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if I see uh, Twister in one of these fights at some point. So, I mean, this is what made the Korean Zombie so loved. And I think this is why what makes people love Shavkat right now. This guy has nothing but finishing moves. He's just so exciting, so good. Just love it. And on Atno, the reason why I said that the next fight he should fight RDA is because I just don't think he's going to fight anybody in that top five. We already have uh, the only person, the only person probably that he may fight is, um, oh my gosh, uh, he just fought, and he just fought um, Neil Magny. Um, Burns, I'm sorry. Yeah, he'll, he'll, I think that's the only person with Gilbert Burns. I don't think Bilal's going to take that fight because, like, I just, he, he's going to be like, I just beat an up and coming prospect by beating Sean Brady. I think he's going to call for the Kobe fight. So that's why I think Bilal's going to call for the Kobe fight. And he may get it because I think Kobe will be Dustin Poirier. That's the number one fight. He wants that at 170. If he can't get Dustin Poirier, then I think he'll take the Bilal fight and you'll have Bilal versus Kobe. And I, I, you know, for me, I was thinking about it. I think Shafka, it's going to either be Gilbert or it's going to be RDA because RDA is going to fight whoever he doesn't, he doesn't really care. So that's why I, my, my pick was RDA at that point. And, uh, and great. And I know it was great yesterday. I have to give you the UNAK props, the banter going back and forth about Figgy versus uh, Cody was great. I just love it. I just love the going back and forth. Hopefully we can get more friendly banter like that, you know, just to switch it up a little bit. I thought that was great. So, um, you know, Mike, just your thoughts on what I have to say. Thanks for everything. Thanks, man. Yeah, I I, I don't think Bilal is going to – I don't think Bilal Muhammad is in any position to be like, nah, I'm not going to take that fight. That's why I'm telling you folks, and I talk about this all the time, it is so important to make your minutes count when the spotlight is upon you. When you win a fight and you have an impressive performance, if a microphone is put in front of you, you need to say something compelling and you need to say something that people remember or you're in a tough spot. Look at Benil Dariush. This guy should have got a title shot like a year ago and now he's going to have to fight Charles Oliveira to get it. And I think Bilal is kind of in the same spot. Some people are saying that he's going to fight, that Bilal's going to fight, have to fight Shafkat no matter what. Uh, and I don't think that's a wrong answer at all. I think, Bilal, I think for Bilal, he needs, and I don't even know if this is enough, I think he needs Kamara Usman to win next Saturday. Maybe Usman calls for Bilal and like makes it a little bit easier, that path for him. But other than that, boy, oh boy, he, Bilal's just in a tough spot. He's just in a tough spot. Good fighter on a nice streak. He's just not. Shafkot has way more buzz than Bilal right now. I mean, it's not even a conversation. How much more buzz Shafkot Rahmatov has than Bilal Muhammad right now. And maybe that's fair. Maybe it isn't. But I, I talked to a couple of people who, who know Shafkot, that train with him, that, that are very close to him since Saturday. And as far as the execution of the fight, that's what he wanted to do. And if you saw the tweet that he sent to, to Wonderboy, uh, that was pretty much the game plan. I just wanted to show that I'm not just the dude that's going to take you down and sit on you, that I can just stand on my feet and just crack with everybody. 
And that's what he did. Maybe that wasn't the, the best strategy in the world, but he still won and he wanted to show because he tweeted out to Wonderboy something to the effect of, yeah, not bad for a grappler, huh? Or something like that. But that was sort of the plan. He's just going to go in there and strike with Jeff. And Jeff's tough as hell. Jeff's takedown defense is really good. And you got to see it a little bit more in that fight. But Shafkot just chipped away and chipped away. And Jeff, to his credit, just kept fighting. But it just became too much. He just took too much damage. And Shafkot's a monster. So to me, I think he's either going to fight Bilal or he's going to fight Leon Edwards if Usman wins. I think that's where he's at. Called for Colby. I don't think Colby's going to take that fight. But right now, I'm at the point with Colby where any matchmaking suggestions are just kind of out the door because we just we have no idea. All we have really is Dana saying, oh, yeah, he wants to fight. But Dana's been saying that since Jacksonville. Last April, he's been saying that. Colby's been asking for a fight. He's accepted a bunch. We're going to do him and Hamzat in July on ABC. There's this, there's this, there's this. This didn't work out. This didn't work out. We've been hearing this for a year and still nothing. Nothing. So I don't know what they're going to do. But I can't wait to see Shafkov fight again. Guy is an absolute problem. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
Let's go to double A. Double A, hello. Good, how are you? I'm good. I've got I've got um some I've got a, like a comment or two and I've got some questions as well. Um first of all, um props to um Brunson's corner, like you said, for throwing in the towel. Um, I, I believe that's the second time they've done that because they threw it in the towel just as the referee waved off the Cannoneer fight. So that's something that's obviously like up in their system, I guess you could say. Um, Alexa Grasso, that was I was not expecting that at all. To I was someone who said she didn't stand a chance, and I I, I gladly ate my words. Um, John Jones. I was sort of disappointed in a way because the main event ended so quickly. But after watching it, and this is what my question is, who the heck beats him? Because no one at heavyweight grapples like John Jones does. So who the does anyone even stand a chance against John Jones? Like, seriously. All right, that's all for me. Have a great day, everyone. Take care of yourselves and peace. Yeah, so... I'll get to the Jones thing in a second. What, what impressed me the most about Alexa Grasso on Saturday was that she was – she matched Valentina's physicality. And I didn't think that was – I didn't think she could do that. And I thought that was the big X factor for me in that entire fight was that Valentina is eventually going to, like, get her hands on her. She's going to take her down. She's going to crucifix her, and she's going to beat her into an oblivion. And that didn't happen. There was a moment where Valentina got her in the crucifix. She was landing shots, but Alexa stayed cool. And then in the moments where Valentina tried to get physical, Alexa just didn't have it. And that was impressive. That was the biggest thing to me. It was like I never dogged Alexa. I never like said Alexa wasn't a good fighter or anything like that because she's very good, very very good, and was getting better and better and better. I just felt like the timing of it and just the physical tools that Valentina typically brings to her fights, especially coming off of a fight where people question where she's at. I just felt like it was just horrible timing. And I thought stylistically it was a tough matchup. Now, stylistically, I think in the rematch, some of those problems could come to fruition, but it didn't happen on Saturday. Alexa was ready for it all. And damn it, man, she did it. It was just, what a cool moment. You just can't help but feel for, uh, but, but be happy for her pulling off this upset. Just incredible stuff from Alexa Grasso. As far as John Jones goes, I think Curtis Blades is a really tough fight for him. I would probably pick John to win, but Curtis is a tough matchup for him. He's probably of the active UFC fighters on the in the on the heavyweight roster. I would say Curtis Blades is probably the toughest fight for him. That's my opinion. And I think Francis matches up really well against John. But it sucks again because we're not gonna. S- Probably not going to see that fight, and it just hurts my heart. It hurts my heart. And the problem with Curtis Blades is Curtis can do pretty much anything, and it always just feels like he's a win or two away, no matter what he does. Like, if he goes out and just trucks Sergey Pavlovich, even then, that's not, like, a guarantee that he's going to get a title shot. So, But I think Curtis does match up well against John. I just don't know if John is going to be like, yay, I get to fight Curtis Blades now. I don't know. But John's in a, in a great position right now. 
because of all the buzz heading in and coming out of UFC 285. Let's go to my buddy, New York Rick. What's up, New York? Heck of a morning, Mike. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm fantastic. Um, it was a it was a wonderful weekend. Um, it was. The word deserves is kind of on my mind this morning. <laughs> and it's been thrown a lot around a lot in MMA in general, but it seems to be thro- being thrown around a lot uh, in the aftermath of UFC 285. And, I, and I'll give you two examples, and then I have two questions. Valentina Shevchenko, quote-unquote, deserves a rematch with Alexa Grasso. That's something I'm hearing. I'm, I'm, I'm dubious, but I'm going to ask you at the end of this. And also, Stipe Miocic deserves the John Jones fight, right? This is this is the fight that needs to be made. Somebody or even John Jones deserves the Steve Miocic fight. I'm wondering the value of of the word deserves and if that's a real thing in MMA and if they truly do deserve. So I guess my question to you is number one: Does Valentina Shevchenko deserve a rematch with Alexa Grasso? Do you need to see this, or could there be a path where Alexa Grasso fights a number one contender and Valentina Shevchenko fights somebody else, and then maybe they rematch? Uh, sometime later this year or next year. And then secondarily, does Stipe Miocic, who has shown no enthusiasm for the idea that coming off a brutal knockout at the hands of Francis Ngannou and sitting out for two years, deserves a fight with John Jones, other than the fact that John Jones wants it, um, are we sure that Stipe deserves this fight, quote-unquote? Um, do, you, do you need to see the Stipe Miocic versus John Jones fight, or would you be just as happy to watch the winner of Curtis Blades and Sergey Pavlovich uh, fight John Jones. Those are my two questions. Yeah, so we talk about deserves a lot. It creates a lot of debate on this program more than anything. And we perfect example is the lightweight divisional chatter right now, where you have Benil Dariush and he's right there. And if he beats Charles Oliveira, and he's deserved quote unquote a title shot for a while. And if he beats Charles Oliveira, he deserves it even more. The problem is there are bigger names that are in play than Benil Dariush. One of them is Dustin Poirier, who's coming off a win against Michael Chandler. So because of what we have learned over the past six or seven years, the word deserves means nothing. This isn't Bellator. Bellator is a meritocratic promotion where – They have their rankings, and they abide by those rankings. So if someone's like number one or number two, the number one guy will get a call. If he can't go, they'll go to number two, and they'll go to number three, and so forth and so on. The UFC doesn't really do that unless it is just undeniable and there's nobody else there. So to answer your questions, one, does Valentina deserve an immediate rematch? Yes, because she defended her title seven times. I thought she was winning the fight. I thought she, I was with the judges. She's up two rounds to one. She was probably winning the fourth until the spin kick. She got taken down and finished. Does she deserve a rematch? Absolutely, she does. Would it be the first thing I would go to? That's another question. Now, that, if they go to Mexico City, maybe in September, and Valentina is ready to go, then do it. I'm fine with it. But if Valentina is not ready to go, if she's like, nah, I don't want to do that, or I want to wait a few more months, or I'm going to take a little more time off, you don't wait for Valentina. You move forward. 
and Valentina can fight the winner. Then you do Alexa Grasso versus Aaron Blanchfield. Good to go. Uh, I would like to see Aaron Blanchfield get the title shot. I would like to see it right now. But I don't think that's going to happen. So deserves is a weird word. And does Stipe deserve a title shot against John Jones right now? No, he does not. Uh, but he's going to get it because, again, it ain't about deserves. It ain't about anything else. It ain't about the rankings. It's about what fight will do the most money, what fight will quickly sell at an arena because they're going to do that international fight week. The ticket prices will be shot up a little bit higher. It will sell out. It'll be a massive deal, and the pay-per-view buys will be massive. Uh, it will be bigger. And John will probably run through Stipe, and John's legacy gets a bit of a, an extra boost, so to speak. My, my biggest question is, what does John do after that? If he goes out there and just destroys Stipe, which I think he's got a really good chance to do that. I think it's, I think it's a really tough matchup for him. What do you do now? Does he just leave? Does he just say, hey, I'm done? Does he call out Francis and hopes the UFC can find a way to get that fight done? Because other than that, I don't think there's going to be a lot that's going to keep him cooking. I don't think Curtis Blades will get him excited. I don't think Sergey Pavlovich will get him excited. I don't think really anybody right now will get him excited. I don't think Tommy Aspinall. I don't know. Maybe he'd have some fun with Tai Tuivasa, but he certainly is is far away. I mean, maybe Jelton Almeida will impress him if he goes out and beats Jarzinho. I don't know. I don't know. But my old pal Damon Martin from MMAfighting.com told me seven years ago, after Tyron Woodley won the welterweight title against Robbie Lawler and Wonderboy Thompson talked to him in the studio and said, all right, let's go. And Tyron Woodley's like, nah, I'd rather fight GSP or, or Nick Diaz. I thought that was, in, I thought, I was like, what? Wonderboy deserves a title shot. Damon told me a lesson I never forget. When it comes to the UFC, strike the word deserves from your vocabulary. Because this is a different place. It's a different promotion. It's a different way of doing business. So there you go. Uh, let's go to Four Corner Sports. You're right. Um, deserve should be taken out of the vocabulary when it comes to the UFC. And yeah, CP doesn't deserve a title shot. I do believe John Jones is going to be very active this year. Um, I'm predicting maybe just you know three appearances. I, I'm, I'm still set on on the fact that he might fight Sergey Pavlovich just because of the that the I, I really do believe he's going to defeat Curtis Blades, but. I feel like he'll fight the winner of, of Blades versus Pavlovich, maybe in December, because that's usually like a like a major pay per view. If not, maybe MSG. That's just my pr- prediction. I I feel like there is very low chance that he completes that eight fight deal. Um, I mean, it's very re- unrealistic for him to to fight eight eight more times at at this stage of his career. But I really wanted to talk about um, what's it called um, the fact that Alexa Grasso did win. I think the UFC needs to strike while the, while the iron is hot. You know, I tagged Jed Mashu and Connor Burks, and I said that so far in 2023, in the co-main co- event, we have had a Mexican fighter fight at, in the co-main event slot, 
uh, for a title, and they have all have, have won. Moreno has won, Yair has won, and now Alexa Grosso has won. Right now, I asked them if that trend will continue. Not, not. I mean, this next co-main event for pay-per-view slot will be Gaethje and Fiziev, and I know Gaethje is Mexican descent. Now he wasn't born in Mexico, but wonder if that's going to continue where a Mexican fighter of Mexican fighter descent will um, continue that trend. But I do believe that the UFC should try to get get something booking for a an event in Mexico City. Um, do I believe it's going to happen as far as September? I don't think so. But I mean, the UFC can can add an extra pay per view. I don't know if, how that works with ESPN. Maybe in July, put something there. You know, it really would depend if Volk wants to wait. You know, that long deep into July to fight Yair. I know Volk wants to be active. But you definitely put Moreno um, on that card. It's just now the other question would be, will um, Valentina be ready to fight Alexa Gross in that rematch, or do they go to Aaron Blanchfield? And if you don't mind, I would definitely add Raul Rosas Jr. onto there. You could add in Brian Ortega, who he hasn't fought since uh, July of, of 2022. You could put Michael Morales there. You know, he trains in um, from Mexico. I know he's not a Mexican-born fighter. But you can put a whole bunch of Mexican-born fighters on that Mexico City card and put it on pay-per-view. You know, it's going to sell out. It's going to bring a lot of attraction. Only only main reason why I really wouldn't put it so much in September, I understand Mexican Independence Day lands in September, and it's going to really rival um, Canelo because usually Canelo likes to fight in May and in September. And I know Dana White has a great relationship with, with Eddie Hearn, and I know he wouldn't do that to Eddie Hearn. All right, Mike, let me know what you think. Thanks. I just think July is too short, too too short a time frame. I, I just, I I understand you want to strike while the iron's hot, but going international to different locations is tough, man. It's tough to do. And once we get to next Saturday, that's three pay per views out of four that are international right now. It's it's cool, like it's great to go to different places, but. You can't do, you can't have that high of a percentage of international pay per views. Like, we're at 75% right now by the time we get to 286. It's a lot. That's a lot. And there's a lot of US markets that haven't had a card in a minute. Like, I, I, so many, I get so many questions about Boston. Like, when are they going to Boston? When are they going to Boston? I have no idea. Uh, I would assume they will go there sometime this year, but I have no clue. So I think September would probably be the time frame because they probably have a lot of that other stuff figured out. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get two in July. Maybe we will. I'm not sure. Uh, but even there's like there's other international markets they're probably going to want to hit again. Paris is one of them. They'll probably want to go back there because that one did really well. I think they will end up in Mexico City, but July, I just think it's too soon. I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to see them strike while the iron's hot, but I think it will be probably around if they do it, if they can get it put together, probably probably around September would be my guess. And I would I would assume Dana and, and Eddie would have a conversation and maybe they don't do it like the exact same weekend or something or they figure it out some way, somehow. But uh, I just think July is too soon. But they have to go this year. They, already, they dropped the ball in the UFC Africa thing. They got to go to Mexico City this year for sure. Uh, Kairos, what's up, man? I don't hear you. 
Uh, all right, try again, Kairos. I'll get you back in here. Yeah, I just was I was getting nothing. Uh, let's go to Mikey. Mikey. Mikey, are you there? Yep, there you go. What's up, man? I got yeah, you. I'm here. Okay, well, um, all right. Uh, I What's going on, everybody? Um, just to be off what uh, New York Rick said, listen, man, about the deserve thing, can we please start being so absolute with it? Like, I understand you, we can have our pick and disagreements about who deserves what, but they all do. They all deserve it. It's just, it's just that there's only one person that gets to get the shot, you know? Pretending only one person deserves the next crack at the title always feels disingenuous. Like, it's Stipe, right? Does he, quote-unquote, deserve it immediately? Probably not. But to pretend that he doesn't have a claim, the guy only has one loss in the last couple of years, and it's to Nganu, who just left. Other than that, he had beaten Daniel Cormier twice, who, yeah, I know, I get it. He just retired. And again, I mean, you, you've heard me speak on these spaces all the time about the back talk between MMA fans. They want merit to be rewarded. I'm like, okay, what's better merit than the only heavyweight champion in memory, recent memory to have defended the belt more than two times? Why are we going to ask Stipe to do all the legwork they spent 10 years doing for what? Just to cosmetically please some people? Oh, he should fight Sergei Pavlovich. Great. That's a that's great for Pavlovich. What does it do for Stipe? You know what I mean? Like, why do we pretend? Why do, why do people act so goddamn obtuse about these things? Now, I'm not saying I don't agree. I would love for that thing to happen. But sometimes there are certain situations that call for like, yeah, man. I, you know, does, you and I are both, we're, all, we're on opposite sides of the fence. Not necessarily disagreeing with your take that Benil Darius deserves a title shot, but when I said Dustin Poirier deserves a title shot, people pretending like I'm wrong or I'm stupid for saying it is like, are you are you kidding? So you want Dustin Poirier to win six in a row again just to get a title shot against the guy he hasn't fought yet? You know, like, if Benil gets a title shot, cool. If Dustin gets a title shot, cool. If Stipe gets a title shot, cool. But we you know it always makes me laugh. People's like, Stipe doesn't deserve a title shot. Okay, then who does? Crickets. Like, don't say he doesn't deserve a title shot and then not have a name. <laughs> you know, what, Curtis Blades? Okay, cool. He's about to fight Pavlovich. If he beats him, then he gets one. Even he admits, so I, I met Curtis Blades on fr uh, Friday for his meet and greet. He gets it. He's like, sure, I get it. He even said so at that, U at that heavyweight panel. He's like, he gets it. Because guess what? If, Cipe, if Curtis Blades ever gets any kind of accolade like ex-UFC heavyweight champion, you bet your ass he's going to play that card. He'd be like, hey, I'm an ex-champ. I should get first dibs over some no-name contender no one's ever heard of. You know what I mean? And one quick note on Valentina and uh, Alexa. Uh, that was bittersweet for me because I, I, I'm a fan of the boat, so I was kind of, you know, sucks that Valentina lost, but Alexa won, so that was nice too. But the only answer I needed to, the only answer I needed was could she meet the physicality, and you guys just addressed that. But other than that, her skills were there. We all saw it. Everybody who saw Alexa Simpson Victor knew that she had championship talent. And by the way, a lot of people owe Laura Sanko an apology because they tried to drag her for saying that Alexa has one of the best is one of the best boxers in the UFC, and um, she was kind of right. You know. Anyways, good seeing you guys. Be kind to one another. Talk to you later. Yeah, no one, no one should ever besmirch Laura Sanko. Undeserving. Whatever she says, just agree with her because she's the best. Yeah, I mean the problem, with, the thing with Steep is and this is kind of different than most other people is that he just doesn't seem, he just hasn't even seemed interested in doing anything. 
when it comes to fighting? Nothing. It's been over two years. If John didn't go back to heavyweight, I don't think he'd ever fight again. So I think some people are just like, oh, well, the only reason you're trying to come back is to get the big payday to fight John. I'm not saying he hasn't earned that up that right, because he has. But over the last two years, this division looks way different than it did when Stipe was the champion. Way different. Just look at some of the names that have, that have gone up. Like Cyril Gaon was is one of them. Sergey Pavlovich coming out of nowhere. Like Blades has been kind of a mainstay, but he's just not that interesting, I guess, in a lot of people's eyes. Tommy Aspinall. Tai Tuivasa became like a top five heavyweight while Stipe has been gone. Jailton Almeida is, is going up the ranks. We've seen guys like Alexander Romanov look like they could be a big problem. The division is, is much more interesting now than it was when he left. And, the, and that's why him and DC had to keep fighting because there's nothing else. Now you have options. You have more options at heavyweight than we've had in a long time. But a lot of these names just aren't that interesting, really. So Sipe's going to get the fight. And there you go. And I don't have a problem with it. John wants it, and John has such favor with the UFC right now that if John was just like, nah, I don't want to fight Sipe anymore, I'll fight Curtis Blades, they're going to try to make the Curtis Blades fight. That's where John is at right now. John has a ton of momentum. He has a shitload of leverage right now more than ever after that performance and how well that event did and the buzz that it still has. John is in their, not good graces, their great graces. So whatever John wants, he is going to get right now. That is for sure. And he's going to get Stipe. He's going to get Stipe, the guy with most title defenses in the UFC's heavyweight division. It'll be, John will promote it as, the best fighter of all time against the greatest heavyweight of all time. That's how we'll present it. And I certainly don't agree that Stipe is the greatest heavyweight of all time, but that's how he will present it. And that's how the UFC will present it. And there you go. It's just a different division than it was a couple of years ago. So there is pause. There's a little more pause. And plus Stipe, like legitimately, I didn't think he'd ever fight again. I was, I was, I had moved on from Stipe being a fighter and not because he couldn't do it. It just didn't seem like he wanted to. He was happy being dad and husband and firefighter. And I was happy for him to be happy. But now that John's back, he wants one more crack at it. Why not? And I think the UFC is going to try to put it together because I think they're very confident that John is going to win this fight and get one Last big payday for Stipe, and it's worth it because John will probably win that fight, and the UFC can present him as, oh, now he's the greatest heavyweight of all time. It's wild. And Francis is just forgotten in all of this, which pisses me off. Just buried, buried, buried. Kairos, do we have you? Yeah, sorry about that. First time it just failed me, I guess. I don't know. It's too hot for me to speak. Good, man. But, <laughs> um, I heard someone mention Aaron Blanchfield fighting for a title. Mind you, I'm, her beating Jessica Andrade definitely opened my eyes and let me see that she can definitely compete at that championship level. But 
I think that she should fight like Amanda Lemos or Manon Faroe before she gets a crack at the title, to be honest. Because I think they're going to do Valentina next, like a few of you guys said, because, you know, I don't, I'm not going to say the deserve word, but, you know. <laughs> so in the meantime, I think she should do that, too, because it should it would give a clear indication on if she could go five rounds with an elite opponent. Cause it's like, great. You finished Jessica inside the distance, but what would have happened if you had to fight someone elite for 25 minutes? Cause it's a huge difference, massive difference in like a fight that takes place over two, three rounds. But that's just what I'm thinking. Yeah. I mean, if they go to Valentina, like they're going to try to go to Valentina first. There's no doubt about it. They're going to try to, to get deserves has been a, 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 a very big word here. It's like Pee Wee's Playhouse. When you say deserves, we have to go crazy. But Shevchenko deserves a rematch. Like, if anybody deserves a, an immediate rematch, it's her. And I know we just – the problem is we get him a lot. Like, we just get him so much. And people – it's 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 just been a weird couple of years. Like, we didn't see Kamara Usman losing to Leon Edwards the way that he did. But, of course, he deserves a, an immediate rematch because he had such a long title reign who screwed the whole thing up for all of us, and this is a while ago, was Cody Garbrandt. Cody wins the belt, has one of the best performances ever against Dominic Cruz, and then he just gets melted by TJ Dillashaw and gets an immediate rematch, and he gets melted again. And Cody probably shouldn't have gotten an immediate rematch. Didn't even have a title defense. And just gets an immediate rematch. That kind of, like, was the beginning of... Well, we'll just do immediate rematches all the time. But Valentina certainly deserves an immediate rematch. Are you kidding? Like, after all of this, that reign, she's the pound-for-pound pound best women's fighter in the world. She definitely should deserve deserves a rematch. And I would want to see it again. And I don't know if I would pick Alexa Grasso the second time around either. I would feel... I would not feel as confident as I was in Valentina heading into the first one, but... I would probably pick Valentina to win the rematch. And then that really sucks for Aaron Blanchfield because they're going to just do it again. They're just going to do it again after that. But yeah, I don't think Aaron Blanchfield is going to be like, well, if I don't fight for the title, then I'm going to sit out and do nothing. No, she'll fight somebody else. You want to chuck her in there with Tyler Santos? Cool. You want to chuck her in there with Bannon Fioro? I'm fine with that. That's fine. And I, I would pick Blanchfield to beat both of them. I think she would finish Man and Fioro. Santos would be Santos would be the would be a really interesting fight. But I would pick Blanchfield to win that one too. So yeah, she might have to fight one more time, and I don't think she'll have a big problem with that. But they'll go to Valentina first. Valentina's ready, she'll get it. If she can't, Blanchfield will get it. And Valentina will get the winner. Uh, George, what's up? Listeners. Sure. Okay, two things on the main and on the, the co-main. First, on the main, I know the UFC, I know Dana, even John Jones himself would like to think, okay, it's settled. I'm now the greatest heavyweight. I'm now the GOAT of all time. But I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, UFC, Dana, John. That fight, John Jones's performance against the real gun told me absolutely nothing about what a fight with him versus uh, Francis Ngannou. 
would look like. Give me John Jones versus a, a, a big heavyweight, a big, powerful heavyweight with takedown defense and an eraser. Surreal Gone has neither of those two things. He doesn't have the eraser, and he does, and we now see he doesn't have the takedown defense. So unless until this fight happens, there will always be a question mark hanging over John Jones, the heavyweight, hanging over the heavyweight division. I hope they find a way to get it done. I know Dana said, oh, it's never going to happen. And we know Dana likes to say one thing today, and then three months later they're announcing, hey, uh, you know, a John Jones, Francis Ngannou in Africa to, to, to be the main event for the UFC's first card ever in Africa. I hope, I hope. But until then, I have little interest in uh, John Jones versus Stipe, John Jones versus Curtis Blades. I'll watch. I'll be mildly interested, but the only heavyweight fight needs to be made before John Jones retires because he could he could retire at any minute. He's he just won, and five minutes later, he's already well. Maybe I have one more. I'm like John, you just got here. You just spent three years moving up to heavyweight, and already you're talking retirement. Let's get this done. Francis still hasn't signed with anyone. Let's find a way to make it happen. That's that's on the main event. As for the co-main. The word of the day is deserved. Let's talk about deserved. Who deserved a rematch was Tyler Santos. So I was thrilled. I was through the roof, happy, ecstatic when Alexa Grasso won, got that submission. Because Valentina ducked just out in the open publicly for all the world to see she ducked Tyler Santos' rematch because Tyler Santos deserved a rematch. Yes, that was a dominant reign by Valentina. Who gave her her toughest fight outside of Amanda Nunes? Tyler Santos. That was a greasy split decision that could have gone out of the way. And it was a head clash. And Valentina likes to say, oh, I was winning the fight until I lost. Yeah. And Tyler Santos was winning that fight until the head clash. She deserved the rematch. So I was really happy when Valentina lost and Alexa won because Valentina, A, she was ducking Tyler Santos. B, she was overlooking Alexa Grasso, tweeting at girls from Ryzen, uh, talking about Aaron Blanchfield, just like completely overlooking Alexa. She wasn't alone, by the way. Lots of people. And that brings me to another point. Can we stop being so quick to dismiss fighters, to, to dismiss the, these opponents, especially in title fights. Alexa Gra I must have heard a hundred times, Alexa Grasso has no chance, so don't watch. I was watching because I thought she had a chance. Number one, the narrative was on her side. Number two, she's still only 29 years old. Number three, she's on the rise. She's, she's sh making improvements. And Valentina, sorry, she looked slow. Maybe there comes a they are on the other state. They, they reached the other side of the hill. Rematch, I'll take it. But if Valentina gets over, gets passed over, she's not ready. I say we move on immediately without her. I cannot wait for a UFC card in Mexico. I think uh, Brandon Moreno has earned it. The, all the Mexican fighters have earned it. I know the UFC really wants to, to make it happen. And if, if most of these international cards are pay-per-views, I'm okay with that. If Boston doesn't get a pay-per-view within on the immediate horizon, I can live with that. But again, I'm thrilled for Alexa. As for John Jones, unless until we see that Francis Ngannou fight, that question mark will always be there. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, and that's why I didn't put John as my number one heavyweight or number one pound for pound fighter. But I just, I just need to see more. I need to see more before I, I'm ready to pull that trigger.
Um, you saying not interested in Curtis Blades kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit because Curtis has both of those things that you, you look for. Good wrestling, and he's got the eraser. He's not the most interesting and compelling personality, but skill-wise, Curtis is probably the toughest fight for John right now, outside of Francis. But look, I think I think they will take a shot at Francis. And it's all on John. This is all up to John. If John Jones fights Stipe in July and just wrecks him, which I think he's going to, John Jones needs to get on the microphone and call out Francis. And he needs to cut a promo and a half. Him calling him a P-word at the post-fight press conference is going to create a headline, sure. But that's it. That's it. You get on the mic. You put your arm around Joe Rogan. That If you want to call France the P-word in the call, go for it. But you got to do it then. Do it then. And then Dana's going to get asked about it at the press conference. Dana's always said, well, we're here. my goal is to give the fans the fights they want to see. And look, I don't blame Dana for how he handled it this week. I don't blame him. As a stubborn, bald, Boston asshole myself once in a while... When you, when you take a line in the sand, you have to stick to it for a little while. For a little while. But then, like, you can't just bury Francis in, in January and say what you said about him and just completely annihilate him on the way out and then two months later be like, well, you know, I was wrong about that. No, no. You got to... You got to go all in on it for a little while. But if John goes out and beats Stipe, calls him out, and everyone just starts buzzing about John versus Francis after that fight, you got to take a shot at it. And let's just keep this in mind. Dana can say whatever he wants, but Dana ain't the one getting that job done. Dana will not be the one putting that fight together. Dana will not be the one negotiating with Francis Ngannou. Will Dana, like, have dinner with him? Perhaps, sure. But it's Hunter. It's the matchmakers. Dana is just kind of there. But he doesn't make that decision. Dana can say what he wants, but it's not up to Dana to make that fight. Dana can give a nudge to Hunter and say, all right, talk to him again. Uh, and then Hunter's going to do everything. Dana said it himself when they let Francis go. Like, don't feel bad for me. Like, it's Hunter. I don't regret it. Hunter probably does because Hunter's the one trying to put the deals together. So I do think they will take another shot at him. Will it have? I don't think the question is can the UFC get a deal done? I think the bigger question is will Francis allow a deal to get done? That's another question altogether. Francis wants to box, give him a boxing match. The timing of this works perfectly. Because John will fight Stipe in July. Francis will probably have his boxing match sometime in the summer. There you go. Take a shot at him. So what's going to happen? You're in the same position you're in now. Try to find a way to make Francis happy. Obviously, you can't give him everything he wants. Nobody can get that. But meet him, meet him somewhere. You don't even have to meet him halfway. Meet him a quarter of the way. One fight deal, get him in to fight John, 
And I think John will probably be done after that fight anyway. So what's the point? Who cares? If you sign Francis to one fight, do it. Viking, hello. Thing. Why John why John just got a title shot after being inactive for three years? And then why Hindu Sahura got the title shot being inactive for more than two years? Because they have done something in the sport which is remarkable. Giving and that's why Valentina should get rematch, immediate rematch. And giving the title shot to Blinchfield is, is just favoritism and nothing. Because Jessica Andrade fought for money and Molly McCann is just Molly McCann. So let Blinchfield fight skills for skills and then get her the title contention. Uh, then get her into the, into the title contention. The other thing I want to talk about is on the previous episodes of B, episode of BTL, when you asked Jed about the Amazon, and he just discredited his whole record by comparing Amazon's competition with taxi drivers. But to be honest, Jed Mishi, your guy did the same thing. And then he retired in his prime, never fought stylistic match, and still you thank him on a Thanksgiving for God knows whatever your reasons are. Mike Jed Mishu should not be there if the fighters who is going to fight is his favorite fighter or he is a hater of the fighter who is going to fight. Jed Mishu is just, uh, I don't want to say that, and he did not deserve to be there on that episode of BTL. And, um, and in the sum cards in future, the same thing you all did with John Jones' image and his fight career. You all had John Jones going up to the fight with Cyril Gunn, except yourself and your, your best friend, the Chinese guy. I just forgot his name. And John Jones is not a good human, human being. All he is doing is just acting. I mean, who gives winning belt to his wife? When your birth, your father is just front of you. Thank you for the opportunity and the platform. And that was the pathetic statement Dead Mishu made about the Amazon. Now you can say, fuck off, Viking. Fuck you. Don't come here again. Thanks. Thank you, Mike. Take care, Mike. I mean, I ain't going to say that. I ain't gonna say that. We've had some horrific takes on this show. I'm not saying that's one of them, but we've, uh, no one's, very few people have been booted out of here. I mean, you gotta do something fucking wacky to get booted out of this space. I'm probably like the, one of the most patient people on the planet. But no, I'm not gonna say that. Um, I have to go back and listen to what Jed said on BTL. Um, I know he ranked Amazon pretty high in our rankings, as did I. Um, I don't think those have like come out officially, but Jed and I are both ranking him very, very highly because um, that was incredible stuff. Yeah, I mean, look, John is not a good person. Um, he just isn't. And I, I'd like to think that everybody can change and, and find their way back, and maybe John can, and I kind of hope that he does. I would like to see that, but I just, I mean, it's going to take... <laughs> 
boy, it's going to take a long time for me to, to cross over that path. And we saw it. We saw it on Saturday. We saw the old John come right back when he was asked about Francis. Came right back. He was humble. I'm so thankful. All this. And then Francis comes up and I'm like, ah, there he is. There's John. There's the real John Jones. But the thing is, when he steps in that cage and actually fights, he's the fucking best. I mean, what can you say? He's incredible. And that's the thing about sports, man. You can be the biggest piece of shit in the whole world. But if you go out there and you win, it's almost like people forget it happened. Look at Tiger Woods. Look at Tiger Woods. Remember all the things that he did? Cheating on the wife and all that stuff. That whole story. Tiger was, I mean, people were just killing him. And that's way worse than anything else we've seen in MMA. Because golf, whether you agree with this or not, it's the truth. Golf is a thousand times bigger than the UFC. The PGA Tour is so much bigger and is viewed by so many more people than the M- than MMA is, than the UFC is. It's not even close. This is not even a conversation to be had. And the whole world was shitting on Tiger, and rightfully so. But the second that that man came back and won a tournament, it was like all that other stuff never happened. Winning changes everything, and controversy creates cash. And John has both of those things. That's why he got a title shot after three years. That's why if John sat out for two more years, he would come back and get a title fight. He's a star. People are invested in him for good or for bad. You can evoke emotion one way or the other. You can be a star in the sport. And you see it every time John Jones is in Las Vegas. John Jones is fighting Daniel, goes and fights Daniel Cormier. Cormier, the family man, never did anything wrong, never been arrested, always been nice. And DC booed out of the building. John cheered like he's a hero. Cyril Gunn, nice guy, young in the sport, has accomplished a lot. Booed out of the building. John cheered like he's Hulk Hogan in 1987. It's, it's crazy. But it is what it is. Winning changes everything. And it solves everything in sports. But we don't forget. We don't forget about that other stuff. Uh, let's go to Jonas. Jonas, what's up? Hi, Mike. How we doing, mate? Good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. A heck of an afternoon here in Manchester, England. Thought I'd just uh, jump on. First time I've listened live on Twitter Spaces. I usually catch you on the the pod, but I just wanted to um, ask a quick quick question, really, about John Jones. Um, I'm sure I've possibly jumped on late here, so I'm sure it's something you're discussing ad nauseum today. But um, I just wondered on the on the Dana White scale of flexibility, how how do you gauge his resistance to Francis maybe making a reappearance and fighting John Jones? Because it's quite clear that that is the that is the one fight that really massively intrigues any MMA fan. Um, and if we're looking at Dana's sort of track record with U-turns on 
particular stances. You know, you've got on the one end of the spectrum, you had like Paul Daly, where for whatever reason, he just seemed completely um, incapable of kind of ever entertaining a return for him. But, you know, we've seen probably prime example, John Jones, uh, the amount of indiscretions we've seen with John and he's kind of, you know, Dana's had U-turns on him and he'll never fight here again or he'll, he'll never fight for the belt, etc. He'll never headline an event. And obviously it always comes to pass that he does. So I suppose tying in with that, do you, you kind of touched on it as well just before uh, the chat before last. You said that you think a lot of it hinges on John and whether he kind of demands the fight with Francis. Yeah, it was just essentially to gauge how realistic you think it is on on Dana's scale of flexibility when it comes to uh, Francis Ngannou. Thanks, man. Uh, At first, I thought I was talking to John Fury. Uh, But I appreciate you, you hopping on. I think it's more flexible than people think. Uh, I don't think they're going to bend over backwards for Francis. I don't think they're going to. Like Francis was on the MMA Hour, detailed what he wanted in order to return to the UFC. He's not going to get those things. Maybe they find a way to like make it feel like he gets one, but they're just not going to do that. They're not going to do that for anybody. They're not going to do it for John. They're not going to do it for Connor. They're going to do that shit for anybody. Uh, but... I do, I do think they're going to try. And it's again, it's all up to John. It's all up to John. John melts Stipe. Rogan puts a mic in his face and he calls out Francis. I think the UFC will take a crack at it. Because what's, I mean, who cares? Who cares? If John goes from Cyril wins the heavyweight title to beating Stipe to beating Francis Ngannou, he'll never fight. Like, that's it. You want you want to guarantee three John Jones fights on this run? That's how you do it. Other than that, if they're not even going to try, if they're not even going to entertain the idea, then John will just stop fighting after Stipe. I don't think he'd be done forever, but he would sit on the sidelines for a while, and if something compelling and exciting that could make him a lot of money comes along that gets him interested then he'll come back. But if they want to get him active, he wants, they want three John Jones fights this year, you got to find a way to get Francis back in there because I don't think he fights three times this year if Francis isn't on the table. Uh, let's go to Gabe, then we'll go to Mike. We'll try to get to – there's five people waiting. I'll try to get – I'll get to all five of you guys. Gabe, Hello. Hey, what's up, Mike? How's everybody doing today? So, um, I just wanted to touch on some things, kind of like the word of the day, preserving. And I feel like it just has to deal with the situation. Like, I had a, a lot of people said it was quite unpopular. For example, um, Islam Makhachev versus Charles Oliveira. I personally do not think that uh, Charles deserves uh, an immediate rematch, but do I think he totally deserves to be in line? Yes. He totally should have. It totally should have just been straight to Benio Darius, and then the winner of that should have faced Charles. But of course, he has an Okanovsky thing happened, and it, it's just a whole mess. Now, in regards to Francis Ngannou, if I'm Francis Ngannou, especially with after everything that Dana said, 
knowing that now John Jones is a champion, I'm going to use that to my leverage. And if negotiations happen, even though I do believe that John, um, sorry, that Francis won't get everything that he asked, I'm going to ask for a little bit of money. So it, it really isn't to play off like what the UFC offers and what Francis uh, counters with, because that is the fight to make. Anybody who is an MMA fan or anybody who really loves the sport truly wants that fight to happen. It just all depends on what happens between the UFC and Francis Ngannou. And in regards to John Jones, you know, like everybody could say he's like a terrible person. Everybody could say all these things about him, but he's undeniably like the greatest fighter of, of all time. Now, in my humble opinion, if he does something that causes him to be back in headlines in a negative way, I think that there should be repercussions, like major repercussions, because this whole scene of him being humble, praising God and all these things, you know, you put it out there, stick to it, and if you don't, you, you better receive backlash. But besides that, thank you for the platform. I mean, you're not wrong. Um, but again, here's... I, I don't want to keep bringing this up because people give me shit about it, but I don't care. The president of this company was caught on video slapping his wife in the face and there were no repercussions. None. Zero. And I understand, you know, you want to play that game? Well, she hit him first. Whatever. It doesn't matter. The point is, any other person in any other position in any other sport would have been punished. Dana was not. I'm not here to retell the tale. We all know what happened. You all know how I feel about it. No one asked for his job, but we deserve some sort of consequence. And he didn't, we didn't get it. How could we expect the UFC to punish John again? How can we? We can't. He can't do it. And John even and John very smartly referenced that at the post-fight press conference because he was asked about it. He was asked about exactly that. And what did John say? Hey, Dana knows more than anybody. We all make mistakes. And I was like, there you go. There you go. So... No, I don't think there'll be any like repercussions if John does anything crazy. I think the UFC will address it. They will talk about it. They'll bury him a little bit. And then when John's ready to fight, he'll come back. And it'll just be part of the story. But, yeah, I don't expect – like, no. John – after the whole thing with Dana, John can do whatever he wants right now. And if John isn't, like, in prison or anything, he ain't, fight, he ain't get, sitting out. He ain't getting in trouble. He can't. You can't. You've already set the precedent that if you're important to the company and you make us money, you won't be punished. And that's it. And that's it. The other thing I'll say is you can't... The undeniable, the greatest of all time, I don't think that's true. It just depends on how you look at it. Now, if you don't care about the other stuff and it's just, what did you do in the cage? PEDs, all that stuff. If you're okay with the asterisks and he's still the guy, cool. But if you're against that and there is an asterisk there, he's then there's a conversation. There's a conversation to be had. Then it's GSP, undeniably. But if you don't care about that stuff, and I don't think I really do. Um, there's a part of me that like understands why some people would, but to me, like 
I don't know. I'm like in the middle. I'm on the fence when it comes to that stuff. To me, John's number one. Um, but if some people want the asterisks there, then I totally get it. Completely get it. Uh, Mike. Hey, hello. Mike. What's going on? I uh, hope everything's going good. What a card that we just had on Saturday. Pretty much my question is more on um, on long-reigning champions in this immediate title shot talk that we always get that it frustrates me. I'm in the, the lane of when you lose a title shot champion or number one contender, you should automatically go to number five, not like off of your skill set, but just to like kind of freshen up the division. And you can give a long-reigning champion an immediate rematch on their end, like I'm saying, like Valentina can, her next fight can be for a title, but allow Alexa to create some type of reign for herself. It's like when you look back at 115 and, you know, the, that division looks so great because we have so many multiple champions, but then what are we to do? Let Valentina have this long reign, get a rematch with Alexa and just get it right back for her. So in my opinion, I want to see Alexa versus Aaron you know, Aaron can win that. Like, regardless what Valentina wants is her belt back. So is it, does it, is this an ego thing to try to get it back from Alexa or, you know, you can get it back either way. So that's that opinion on that. And then when it comes to John Jones and pound per pound and goat talk, I think those two things are separated. I think people sometimes blend them into one and kind of say like, oh yeah, they're the pound per pound goat. Like, I think it's two different things in my opinion greatest of all time if you just show people highlights of john jones and you show people highlights of gsp yeah what gsp did was impressive but you know there was some you know tactics like like tactical performances it was, you show john jones highlights and the machita choke and rampage you know just getting squeezed out and the shogun fight it's you have to give him greatest of all time and then pound for ground you know just like he said clean and dirty depending on what you're looking at it's john and gsp so I appreciate you for the question. Can't wait for the next one. Thank you. Yeah, the pro- I mean, the problem with that argument and is that John had a bunch of stinkers. OSP was horrible. That was an awful fight. Really awful fight. Uh, the Anthony Smith win was not great. It was not great. The Tiago Santos win, not great. There are a lot of people who felt Tiago Santos won that fight. On one leg, basically no legs, if we're being honest. He basically squeaked by a no-legged man. Uh, And then the Dominic Reyes fight, most people felt he lost that fight too. So, I mean, both of them have stinkers. Um, John has the most recent stinkers and a bunch of them. But it was because of those stinkers why people thought this fight with Cyril Gond was going to be competitive and compelling and close. And a lot of people were picking Cyril Gond to win that fight because of those stinkers because John laid it out. Well, it just wasn't excited to fight these guys. They weren't big stars. You know, these guys just kind of had to fight. Uh, and we were wondering if that was going to be true or not. And maybe it was, I don't know. Cause he certainly was up for that one. And then look, I, I get it the media rematching is, is just kind of bogged down, but Valentina has defended that title seven times. She can get an immediate rematch. She wants one. Aaron Blanchfield's only 24. She will get her shot. She will get multiple shots. Um, and like I said, if they go to Mexico city, they pinpoint a time 
Alexa's going to want to fight on that card. If Valentina's ready, Valentina will get the fight. If she's not, they'll move on. They'll give it to Blanchfield. But we're, we don't need to... I want to see Aaron fight for the belt because I think she be I think she will beat would beat Alexa. I actually would have picked her to be Valentina if we're being honest, uh, because she could match Valentina f- with the physicality. Uh, I didn't think Alexa could. She proved me wrong. I kind of want to see if she could beat her again. But yeah, I know what you're saying. All right, so we're going to do Tobbs, YMVZ, and Barbarusa. They've been waiting for a minute, and then I got to go. Tobbs, what's up? Tobbs. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Good. What's doing up, all right, doing all right. For all my sports fans out there that just got into MMA and don't understand what just happened, let me put it to you this way. John Jones just hit y'all with the Michael Jordan comeback when the 45. Those of y'all understand, y'all get it. The rest of y'all, mm-hmm. <laughs> the rest of y'all, it's a good thing. Y'all wouldn't understand. <laughs> so, yeah, so my thing is, I'm not a big fan of the what if that and what if this. So, okay, the the, the Francis Ngannou fight didn't happen. We should just let it go. Down the future, they would revisit, they, they would revisit it, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure of that. But let's not forget that John Jones' number one options was Francis. He calls for Francis. That's the fight that he wanted straight from the start. Let's not forget that, okay? And that didn't happen. He won, Next, he wanted um, Stipe. Stipe didn't happen. And he fought the guy that they gave him. John John didn't ask for Cyril. They gave him Cyril, and he beat Cyril. And that's it. That's, 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 that's the only thing that people should get. Not question what if this, what if that. The what is doesn't matter at this point. John John did what he was supposed to do. The next thing that I wanted to address is Aaron Blanchfield. People keep saying that Blanchfield should fight another fighter and all that. But I think we should just let the girl be. Like, she's ready to fight the tough contender out there. And I think, just like you, I think that she would beat Valentina Shevchenko. She's ready to do that. We should just let the kid do a thing. That's it. And thank you for your thank you for giving me your opportunity to speak. Thanks, man. Yeah, you're not wrong about Zero being the third choice. They just couldn't they couldn't get Stipe done. Stipe was dealing with some stuff. Zero got the shot. Couldn't keep Francis locked down. Um, yeah, I mean, no one should. I mean, no one should like blame it. That's just the fight that he ended up getting. At that point, John was just like, "All right." I've waited long enough. Let's go. Uh, He wanted the France fight. Francis wanted the John fight. And if there's one thing that has annoyed me about this whole thing, it's that fans have taken the narrative that Dana put out that, well, Francis didn't want the John fight. He wanted to make more money and take lesser competition. That is the biggest bunch of bullshit I have ever heard in my entire life. And most of you in this room would probably agree with that. You think Francis Ngannou was afraid to fight John Jones? That's insane. Like, if you have that opinion, I just, it's just so wrong. It's not even funny. Uh, I would, I would pick Francis to beat John. I would still pick Francis to beat John. Even after what we saw on Saturday, I would still pick Francis Ngannou to win that fight. 
So to say that he's scared to fight John Jones, anybody saying that is absolutely incorrect. I mean, it's one of the most wrong statements ever. Uh, yeah, I don't think I can move on from it, though. I don't think the door is completely shut. I don't think it's completely locked. I think Dana just, he's already buried Francis so badly that you can't go back on it now. You look foolish if you go back on it now. Like Tristan was on earlier, he mentioned on to the next one how my pick for Cody Garbrandt for matchmaking was the Davis and Figueredo fight. You booked it before. Figgy's moving to 135. 135 is a loaded division with a ton of talent. You can't just chuck Figgy into a number one contender fight with all these guys up there right now. Let's get him in there against a name and see how he does. So throw him in there with Cody. And people are like, oh, you're going to kill... Were you trying to get Cody killed? All this stuff? Cody said he had a neck injury. That's why he was so... You think Cody would say no to that fight? You think Figgy would say no to that fight? And people were staunchly against that pick and actually got me to think a little bit that it was a terrible pick. But at that point, like, I've already dug my feet into the sand. I can't move now. Like, I've already made my point. I got passionate about it. I can't be like, well, you know what? I'm wrong. You're right. No, because I'm stubborn. And I'm not going to get knocked off the mountain that easily. I still am thinking about it deep down, but I still feel like I'm right. YVMZ, hello. Hi, good morning, Mike. Uh, just had two questions for you. Um what did you think of Cyril Gallon's performance? Um, kind of just seemed like he dropped the ball, wasn't really um, prepared for the John Jones fight. Do you think the hype really got to him? And what should be next? And uh, two, um, what did you think of Bo Nichols' performance? He seemed a little bit sloppy on his striking, and so I kind of think he has a long way to go before trying to fight like a Hamza or someone in that, in that, uh, in that range. That's all. Thank you. So Bo Nickel, I mean, he did what we all thought he was going to do. But like I talked about heading in, you never know what could happen. Like Bo can say all he wants. Well, I've, I competed at MSG. I competed in stadiums with 35,000 people in wrestling. That's great. Like you're ready for certain moments, but I don't care who you are. If you, like, you can find on the Contender Series and all that stuff. But when you make that – I've talked to fighters for years about this. And some fighters are just like, they're in the moment. It's fine. Walk to the octagon, the fans, all that stuff. Bruce Buffer does his thing. Some people just get so nervous. Like, the, 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 all the emotions just fly through you. And some people handle it well and some don't. Uh, I'm not saying Bo didn't handle it well. But to say like he wasn't going to get affected by that for his first fight, this is fourth, third or fourth pro fight. Of course you're going to get some nerves. And I think he felt them. I think he felt them. He wanted to go in there and do something spectacular. Uh, didn't He won and he dominated. He did what he was supposed to do. But B plus, A minus, easy. Easy. Yeah, and, and to me it was like we're not rushing him. We're not going to chuck him into a top 20 matchup right now. Give him a step up. Give him somebody like in the top 45. I picked Puna Soriano. I think that's a good test. Puna's tough as hell. Puna's going to go right after him and try to fight him. 
Bo probably beat him. And that's a good win. That we could progress from there. As far as Cyril goes, I don't think he wasn't like I'm not gonna say he wasn't ready to fight John. I don't think he was ready for what fighting John is like. I don't think he was ready for the whole fight week and the press conferences and just all the pressure that came with fighting John. I just don't think he was ready for that. You saw it on his face right when he walked out. Second he walked out, you saw it. He looked just nervous. He, he just... Go watch his walkout when he fought Derek Lewis. Because it wasn't the booze and, the, and, and being hated and all that stuff. Because when he fought Derek Lewis... He ate all that up, and then he trolled the crowd and walked out, just had a great time. This was different. This is a guy who was like, "Uh uh-oh, I don't think I'm ready for this. I don't think I'm ready for this moment and everything that it means. And he's still very – he's still new to the sport too. Go look at this guy's resume. Go look at the guys he's fought in his UFC career. It's This run is unbelievable. It's just unbelievable the names he's faced so early in his career. And he's like just started. Where does he go? I picked Tommy Aspinall. That was my pick. Either you do it in Paris or if they go back to London for a fight night card later this year, there's your main event. Cyril Gon versus Tommy Aspinall. Barbarossa. Um, you too. Thank you. Uh, I just want to talk about uh, the lightweight uh, division. I saw a picture of uh, Islam, uh, Dana, Hunter, and Ali. Um, it seems like uh, they had a meeting. I don't think uh, it's a renewal of the contract because I think Islam had uh, one lately. I think it could be a fight. It could be a Dustin Poirier fight. Can you enlighten me why... Does Dustin want that fight? Because I know he might have seen some things in uh, Islam's game, but it's not the most favorable uh, fight he could have. And then if he loses, he lost to three different champions. And I think it's going to be, that's it. And there's a lot of guys who could uh, could be champions in the future and he uh, could have a better chance against them. And everybody think I know right now uh, Islam wants to be active and uh, Benel is not in the picture. But I think there is a guy who could be a perfect matchup who just said a year ago that he doesn't think about the title. He thinks only about Islam Mahashev. And this is really a great mentality. And he saw it uh, before everybody else. It's And if he wins, he's going to be on a seven-fight seven winning streak. His name is Rafael Fizif, and his, going last, his, his last two wins are going to be against Dos Anjos and uh, Justin Gagey. Why don't we entertain that fight? I can't see why uh, Islam won that fight. Uh, they think differently. They might say uh, he's going to be the only uh, fighter who beat three fighters on the top 15 pound for pound. I can't see him saying that but for Dustin I don't think it's a lot it makes a lot of sense and for the 
fight's sake, I think Rafael Fizip is really, really great fight. Thank you, Mike. I with you. I would love to see Fizzy fight Makachev. Um, yeah. Look, Poirier's 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 almost done. What's he got? Like two or three fights left, and then he's riding off into the sunset. Like this, Poirier doesn't have to fight anymore. He's made a ton of money, so all that's really left for him is to try to become the champion. That's literally all he needs to do. Like, what else could he do? So if he gets a chance to fight for the belt one more time, he's going to take it, whether the matchup isn't favorable or not. And with how popular he is, I, like I've said before, I would not be stunned if he gets it. Because he's a draw. And as much as we want to see Benil fight for the belt, the biggest fight in that division right now as, ter- as far as, like, pay-per-view buys goes, is Makachev versus Poirier. I mean, Connor maybe, but nobody wants to see that because we all know what's going to happen. But Poirier is at least somewhat interesting. Um, I would pick Makachev to win that fight, but Poirier is popular, man. He does better, significantly more pay-per-view buys than Darius would. Bulk would be close because of the rematch. But I still think Poirier would do bigger numbers. Um, but it would be close. And Poirier's probably got one last crack at it. And if he doesn't do it now, he's, it's not going to happen. Because of Fazeev and Gamrod and Sarukian and Dawson and Turner. Those guys are coming. Like, they're all coming. And Poirier sees the writing on the wall. So... We'll see. If Fazeev's like, going to get his shot. Like, even if he loses to Gaethje, he's going to fight for the title at some point. Uh, and I think he'll be the first of those, of those names that I just mentioned on the come-up who will get that shot. But if it happens after he beats Gaethje or not, I'm willing to wait for that. It seems like Fazeev's looking at it realistically as well. Like, yeah, I feel like I want to fight for the belt, but I would, wouldn't want to jump in front of Darius or whoever. So we'll see how it all plays out. But, yeah, just Poirier's in the mix. I can assure you of that. Uh, all right, Daniel, we'll take you, and then I got I to go. I really got to go. What's up, Daniel? Hey, what's up, Mike? Uh, I'll close it out quick here for you. Um, just got two quick questions. Uh, first one just on Cody Garbrandt. Uh, just how, how successful do you think his new, you know, like decision wrestling style is going to be against some of those uh, top ranked 135ers? And man, I asked you, I think in January, because uh, I told you that my birthday was on March 4th. And I said, hey, it looks like John Jones might be fighting or, you know, or possibly Francis or I didn't. Can you hear me? Yep, I got you. Okay, okay. Um, I was going to say, you told me, hey, I'm pretty sure John Jones is fighting. I don't know who's fighting. So you got that spot on. So I'm going to ask you for your Mystic Mike prediction. Uh, when does Chandler and McGregor go down? Is September, August, uh, just any, a- any prediction you got for that? Thanks, Mike. Oh, man. Um, 
I mean, at least with the Jones thing, like I had a little bit of insight because I talked to a lot of people about him and Francis and I kind of, I mean, I pretty much updated you all along the way um, until the billboard flashed and we kind of figured that Francis didn't resign. I would guess. I mean, McGregor's not even back in the pool yet. So let's just say he goes back in today. That's six months. That's September. My guess will be November or December. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe October. I don't think it's going to be August. I don't think it's maybe September, but he's got it. McGregor's going to get back in the pool like right now. But McGregor's comeback fight at MSG would be pretty friggin' massive. That would be huge. World's most famous arena, him versus Michael Chandler. Good God. Yeah, I don't know. I really don't know. Because I don't know if they're going to give him an exemption or anything. Like, I just, I don't know. But he's still not back in the pool yet. So that's at least September now. So I'm going to say November, but I, I mean, I know I wait, I had more insight in the Jones and Ganu talks than I do in this one. Um, but I'm just, the, the longer Connor's not in the USADA testing pool, the longer this one gets pushed out, unless the UFC just calls an audible and throws out that exemption. But I think they're maybe crazy to do that. So my guess would be November, but that is all that is. It is a guess, but could be sooner. Could be later. Who knows? Connor's a wild card. You never know. All right, we're done. Wow. Hour and 35 minutes. I'm going to get in trouble probably, but I don't care. Uh, We're done. So thank you very much. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll do it again. I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about. We'll be on the road to Bellator 292, which is actually a pretty damn good card. Uh, I'm pretty excited for that. That is the kickoff of the lightweight Grand Prix. Usman Amagamadoff, Benson Henderson. We got Tofik Musayev versus Alexander Shabli. Uh, Michael Venom Page comes back to fight Goichi Yamauchi. Uh, that's a good card. That's going to be a fun one uh, on Friday. And then Saturday, the UFC is back in Las Vegas and not at the Apex, which makes me very happy. The main event, Piotr Jan versus Marab dewalish Willie. Not a bad card. I'm glad they're not at the Apex. So there's already... And I like the fact that it's an early start time. I think the main card starts at 6 p.m. Eastern and... I mean, that just scratches me right where I itch right there. So we'll talk more about that on Thursday. Have a great rest of the day, everybody. And as always, have a heck of a morning. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA 
for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. And deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.